You're listening to The Scope, a podcast dedicated to having open conversations about healthcare topics relevant to our patients and community. Today, we're talking about obstructive sleep apnea. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Paul Hackbarth, and I will be co-hosting The Scope podcast with Paige Heidman moving forward. Today, our guest is Dr. Corey Offit. Uh, he's a family medicine physician here with Phelps Health. Well, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, you've been with us a few times, mm-hmm. and uh, we're glad to have you back on the podcast again. So, since you have been here with Phelps Health for a little while now, um, why don't you just tell uh, us and maybe some of the listeners um, a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So. so I came to Phelps almost three years ago now. Um, I was practicing for three years previously after I got out of residency. Um, I kind of do broad scope family practice, uh, so I see everything from kids to adults, newborns, all the way up through end of life. Um, I do all primary care, preventative medicine, um, I've got special interests in uh, diabetes care, sports medicine, joint injections, dermatology is a big one in my practice as well, ADHD management, obesity management, uh, weight loss and things like that, So, but really anything and everything is kind of my scope right it sounds like you have a variety there so yeah probably never no day is probably the same is it so no it, it keeps the variety going <laughs> yeah that's good so alrighty. so well uh today we're just our, our topic of discussion is sleep apnea mm-hmm. uh this is actually a topic that's close to my heart as i've been recently diagnosed uh with sleep apnea so uh, i'm kind of interested to learn more about this um but before we get into sleep apnea um can you tell us dr offit um why is getting a good night's sleep so important so sleep feeds into everything. So it affects your metabolism, it affects your energy level, it affects your mood, and then just your overall health in general. Um, If without adequate sleep, there's just a lot of stress on your body. If somebody would go without sleep for an extended period of time, it could actually even be lethal if without going without any sleep whatsoever. Um, And it's just, it plays a factor in everything. So your body needs that sleep to be able to just kind of restart, reset, a bunch of different things that go on in the body and allow it to function normally. I always hear the statistic, I mean, we sleep for basically a third of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, yeah, like you said, how important and how much of effect that uh, plays on our health, I think is uh, uh, really interesting. So um, so um, is there a recommendation? How much sleep should we be getting each night? And does that depend on your age or? So there's actually a lot of new evidence that everybody's kind of different on how much sleep their body really requires to function normally. Um, and Basically, your body will tell you whenever you're tired, when you need sleep, and you. a lot of people can tell whenever they're kind of overdoing it, burning the candle at both ends, <laughs> to where they're starting, starting to be sick more because it's affecting their immune system. Um, they're just not feeling well if they're not getting enough sleep. And, I mean, we've all been there where we just, like, you don't sleep and you just feel lousy um, the next day, but it can get to the point where it will start affecting your overall health as well. So, on average, most people need anywhere from six to eight hours of sleep but there are some people that need a few more hours than that there's some people that need that can get by with a few less hours than that it's just variant by person okay so it's not a cookie cutter not a one-size-fits-all no. approach definitely so, not okay and then gotcha. kids growing up need a few more hours of sleep than adults do most of the time just because of how their metabolism works how their physiology works okay and then just the development of different uh, parts of their body, their brain in particular. There are um, a lot of different sleep disorders. Um, mm-hmm. Today, the one we're talking about today is sleep apnea. Can you sort of give us a definition? What, is, what exactly is sleep apnea? So sleep so. apnea is, and there's a couple different types of sleep apnea. There's central and obstructive sleep apnea, and then mixed combined mm-hmm. um, sleep apnea. And it's basically causing some type of a disturbance in the airway circulation from between mouth and lungs that is making it difficult for your body to get the oxygen that it needs. 
Um, so whether that be airway constriction from just like asthma, COPD kind of stuff, respiratory issues, that can be up in the upper airway if tonsils are enlarged, that can be down in the lungs if you have a lot of weight on your chest if somebody is morbidly obese and overweight, um, and then it can just be physiologic as well. Okay, so there can be a lot of different reasons yeah. for that, so gotcha. So um, you mentioned the different types of sleep apnea, so there's obstructive uh, sleep apnea and central sleep apnea. Um, what are the differences between those two? So, so obstructive sleep apnea is going to be the main one that I referred to where there's something going on that is actually physically causing your airways to not be able to transmit as much uh, oxygen from your mouth down to your lungs. Um, the central sleep apnea is going to be your brain's ability to actually control your respirations and everything while you're sleeping. I gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So, um, so a sleep apnea, um, is that a pretty common condition? Um, do you see that a lot in your clinic? Or, it's actually um, so? extremely common. Okay. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there. There's probably more undiagnosed people than they realize um, mm -hmm. with uh, that are walking around that have sleep apnea that don't even know it. Okay. Uh, because typically people automatically associate snoring and things like that with sleep apnea, which is a common symptom. But just because you snore doesn't mean you have sleep apnea, and just because you don't snore doesn't mean you don't have sleep apnea. Okay. Um, and so it all is dependent on what other symptoms you have going on as well. Okay. So since we're kind of talking about symptoms, um, can you can you kind of walk us through what are maybe some symptoms um, of somebody who ha who would have obstructive sleep apnea? So. The biggest one, like I said, is snoring. Um, and then if they're waking up in the middle of the night, choking, gasping, coughing. Um, or if they have some, their loved one is witnessing them, like stopping breathing while they're sleeping is a big one, a big indicator. Um, but a lot of times people are just coming in and they're just saying they're tired all the time and that they're falling asleep throughout the day. They need to take multiple naps throughout the day. Um, other things that can be symptoms of it, um, sore throat in the morning, whenever you wake up, um, morning headaches can be a symptom of sleep apnea. Um, and mainly just like the hypersomnolence or the excessive fatigue where you're dozing off regularly and things like that. Okay. So there's different stages of sleep app or different stages of sleep. Yep. Um, can you kind of walk through those a little bit yep. um, for us? So the best part of sleep that we get the most like regeneration of everything in our body and allows our body to kind of reset is whenever you get into REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's whenever people's eyes like they actually start twitch and rolling oh, okay. in the back of their head kind of thing if you would open up their eyelids. And that is your deepest stages of sleep. And that's when also most of your muscles are the most relaxed. And so you don't have as much support around your lungs and things like that um, to keep your airways open. And that's whenever obstructive sleep apnea will also become the most apparent uh, during that stage of sleep and also the most dangerous if it is untreated. Okay, so that's, so that's the stage of sleep where you, where you most often see yep. this, so gotcha. And if, by interrupting that stage of sleep as well, then you're not going to feel nearly as well rested and hence mm -hmm. all of the different symptoms with sleep apnea. Okay, well that makes a lot of sense, so okay. Um, so let's maybe talk about, um, are certain people more or less at risk for um, obstructive sleep apnea? What are sort of the risk factors um, that patients might have if they're more um, more at risk for uh, for this disease? So being male in general puts somebody more at risk. Um, being overweight, obese, uh, large neck diameters, which along goes with um, being obese and things like that. Um, previous history of like lung and uh, asthma, COPD, lung like chronic lung issues. Um, and I mean, those are the bigger ones. 
Okay, so that's interesting. The Nexter conference, I never really yep. thought of that, um, but uh, I guess that can make a big difference. Yeah. So. Let's maybe talk about some of the things um, that maybe um, may affect um, obstructive sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. So things like um, maybe sleeping pills or sleep aids, what um, effect do those um, sort of uh, medications have on obstructive sleep apnea? And again, that goes along with like REM sleep, whenever you're the most relaxed, the muscles are most relaxed, those muscles or those medications like sleep medications would then also do the same kind of effect along with alcohol. Um, they kind of just reduce your body's ability to maintain that extra support to keep airways open and things like that. And so it also doesn't allow like certain sedatives will affect your brain's ability to to control your breathing as well and things like that also. And so if you have untreated sleep apnea, those medications could very much exacerbate it. Um, along with alcohol as well. Okay, so as as a provider, would you recommend that um, if patients do have obstructive sleep apnea, maybe they avoid those um, either um, sleep aids or alcohol maybe before? If their sleep apnea oh. is treated, then there's no reason, rhyme or reason to avoid that stuff. Okay. But if they're sleep, like if they're having all of these symptoms, I wouldn't recommend doing sleep medications until you've been evaluated by your primary. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the symptoms of, of obstructive sleep apnea before. Um, are there any warning signs um, that you may have sleep apnea and just not know it? Um, because um, I, I think for me, one one thing I was thinking of is um, like, like I was experiencing a lot of daytime tiredness, mm -hmm. um, but I'm maybe just chalk that up to, oh, stress or you know, just long days or whatever and things like that. Yeah. Um, but actually that turned out to be sleep apnea. Are there cases like that? Um, so Very much so. Um, whenever people get the assessment, like if people are concerned about themselves having sleep apnea, they can even go online and there's some different questionnaires and uh, scales that they can fill out themselves to see if they might meet the criteria for sleep apnea and then take that with them to their primary care provider. Um, so there's the stop bang questionnaire and then there's the Epworth sleepiness scale. Um, the most common one I use in my clinic is the Epworth Sleepiness Scale, um, and that's going to go through and ask when you're most likely to start to doze off throughout the day. Um, like if you're sitting and reading, if you are a passenger in a car for an hour without a break, if you're after lunch quietly without alcohol, sit lying down to rest in the afternoon, things like that. And then it, once you go through that, you calculate the score, and if you're above a certain number, then the chances of you having sleep apnea are increased and you would need a sleep study. Okay. Um, the stop main questionnaire is just looking at different risk factors like your gender, um, your BMI and things like that, that put you at greater risk. Um, again, those two things combined, the questionnaire and then the Epworth sleepiness scale combined would tell you if you're at high high risk of having sleep apnea based on your symptoms and your risk factors. Okay. So, yeah, I remember um, actually taking both those um, questionnaires and uh, the Epworth sleepiness scale, um, what I found interesting, it wasn't just like how tired are you, it's how likely are you to maybe fall asleep yeah. um, in, the, in those And not even necessarily so, fall asleep, but or, just start to doze or, off, like yeah. your eyes are getting heavy kind of thing. You yeah. don't have to full-fledged fall asleep, right. but it's the starting to doze off. Okay. That makes sense then. So, okay. So... Um, so if, uh, if a patient maybe um, has some of these um, symptoms, maybe they've talked to their doctor and filled out these questionnaires or sleepiness scales, um, what is sort of the next step? Um, what, what would a provider normally recommend um, if somebody maybe does fit the criteria for having obstructive yeah. sleep apnea? So. so normally they would then do a sleep study. Um, most insurances anymore are going the way of doing a home sleep study first to do an initial sleep study evaluation um, for sleep apnea. So you don't have to spend the night in the hospital or anything for that initial test. And then it sends a report back to the provider and says, sleep apnea, recommend further evaluation for CPAP titration or whatnot. 
and where then they then have to go into the hospital and spend a night in the hospital and they see what kind of support they need for their sleep um whether they need continuous positive airway pressure which is your cpap or the uh, bipap which is a little bit more significant and usually those are reserved for like really bad lung issues and things like that too. I, we don't see a lot of BiPAP unless you have some chronic lung issues or heart issues underlying with CPAP or with oh. sleep apnea in addition to that. Okay. Um, and so that would be the, the two different tests that you'd have to do to, for the full-fledged diagnosis and management aspect of sleep apnea. Okay. Touched on this. Um, so the different um, treatment options, there's different, um, posit- they call them positive uh, airway pressure, is that mm-hmm. correct? So um, there's different devices um, that can kind of, um, I guess, help uh, help with your breathing overnight. Mm-hmm. Is that basically what these machines yeah, do? Yeah, so, so they basically just cause pressurized air to keep your airways open. Okay. Um, and 99% of the time patients come back to me and they're like, this, like even just doing the titration test in the hospital was the best sleep they've ever gotten. Oh, really? It was the most well-rested they ever felt the next day just because they got all the oxygen they needed. They didn't have low oxygen while they were sleeping. So they got very restful sleep and REM sleep and it, that wasn't interrupted by <laughs> lack of breathing. And they just felt a ton better. And they swear by, like, and all of them have come back and just ran and raved over how much better they feel after they get, actually get their machine at home. Okay. So, well, that's good. Yeah, that, that, that's good to hear from the patients and just to see that um, affect almost, you know, uh, pretty quickly then. So, yeah. So, um, so um, in addition to um, maybe using a CPAP machine or a BiPAP machine, um, are there other um, uh, recommendations you might have for a patient if they have sleep apnea to maybe... Um, uh, and you know, help improve their breathing overnight. Are, are there other things besides the machine that can help? So maybe like, I, so I was I was thinking like the sleeping position. Mm-hmm. Um, does that play a factor? It can very much. Yeah. Um, some people will have to sleep sitting up a little bit more to just take some of the pressure off their chest. Um, think like weight loss management is a big one too. Um, and then managing all their other chronic conditions and minimizing their risk factors as much as they possibly can. There's also, if they have very minor sleep apnea, sometimes people can get away with just like a mouth guard that repositions their jaw or something like that if it's an upper airway obstruction. Um, if they have very enlarged tonsils chronically, then having their tonsils removed could potentially be a treatment and cure for their sleep apnea. Um, we see that more commonly in kids with sleep apnea, that oh. it's their issues with their tonsils and adenoids. That's more of an issue than anything else. Okay. Um, but we are seeing more kids with sleep apnea because of obesity in kids as well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're seeing a lot more of that recently too. Oh, wow. So, all right. So. Yeah, people don't realize how much it affects your health overall too because it worsens chronic medical conditions across the board. Okay. So it puts you at higher risk of diabetes, high risk of high blood pressure, uh, strokes and heart attacks are increased risk uh, with untreated sleep apnea. So there's a lot of things that are, it's very important to get it diagnosed and treated as soon as possible. Okay. So, and so if you are having those symptoms, mm-hmm. you should talk to your doctor about those. Absolutely. So. Okay. So, alrighty. Um, so my last question, uh, um, just to kind of wrap this up, um, can sleep apnea be prevented? And if so, how? So, so again, <laughs> just maintaining, minimizing those risk factors as okay. much as you possibly can, keeping your weight in check. Um, and then talking to your primary care provider if you have any concerns about any symptoms related to sleep apnea and making sure that you've ruled out other causes because there's no, other than just getting the sleep study, there's no formal like blood test or anything like that to test for it. It's just if you don't reach out to your provider and tell them, hey, I have this symptom, this symptom, this symptom, I'm like, there's not a, a lot of providers won't just jump straight to you have sleep apnea where we need to check you for this. 
unless you actually tell them about these symptoms. So don't just assume your fatigue is from not sleeping well. Um, are you not sleeping well because you have untreated sleep apnea and you keep waking up in the middle of the night because of that? Okay. So, yeah. So, well, I, I, I like what you said about, yeah, t- yeah just talking to your uh, doctor, letting, letting, letting them know about your symptoms and, uh, and going from there. So. And even now, like it's helped a lot, especially since we switched to our new system with Epic, um, with our MyChart access for patients online, they can even send us messages in the portal and okay. even attach their Epworth sleepiness scale to it and say, Hey, I, had these symptoms this is what's going on to where we can even do a video visit if we need to to get the sleep study ordered and all that to where they don't even have to come into the clinic necessarily all the time oh that's great yeah, um, and so, so it's, it's gotten a lot more convenient for patients to reach out to their providers um, and everything with this new system um, so it's just been a lot better and better access for patients too yeah yeah i i totally agree the, the my chart patient portal is, is a great oh, resource and oh, yeah. uh, it's got a lot of um, um, great features on there so all righty so uh, well, thanks again. Uh, uh, that will kind of wrap up our show. Uh, thanks again, uh, Dr. Offit, for uh, stopping by and talk to one of, talking to us about sleep apnea. Thanks for um, having me. Thanks for tuning into the scope. Uh, if you liked our show and want to know more, check out phelpshealth.org.